선택받았다 뭐 그런 느낌을 받았습니다 바깥은 좀 어때요? 우리나 식량 금방 다 떨어질 텐데 이걸 어떻게 감당합니까? 다 같이 살 방법을 먼저 찾는 게 우선이지 않을까요? 다 같이 살자는 거예요? 다 같이 죽자는 거지? 구심점이 될 만한 사람이 있어야 돼 우리 아파트를 지키려면 주민들이 스스로 나서야 돼요. 우리 함께 다 같이 잘 살아봅시다. 잠깐만, 잠깐만. 이거 엄청 비싼 거거든요. 아파트는 도와주세요. 주민들과 다 같이 살아 봅시다. 살이냐 다른지 못해. 내 사람이 어떻게 그래? 가만히 좀 있어. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me, as always, is the ever so delightful look at the Korean film enthusiast himself, uh, Mike Hampton. What's up? Yeah, that's it. That's it. The Korean film enthusiast. Yeah, I mean, do you love? Don't you love Parasite? <laughs> I enjoyed Parasite. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, that makes you a Korean film enthusiast. I guess so. Yes. I mean, what else is there? Oh, wait, we're going to talk about one right yeah, now. Exactly. Wow. Good. You see what I did there? I kind of set it up, you know, knocked it out. Yeah. I like Old-fashioned style. Old-fashioned, baby. Uh, what's up, Mike? Uh, yeah, we are talking about... Uh, I just want to apologize everybody to my voice. I'm getting over a cold, so if you hear that waftiness in my voice, that's why. Uh, it's not for any other reason. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's talk about uh, today's uh, film and interview and process we just did. Uh, we are talking about Concrete Utopia, which is going to be South Korea's official um, submission for the International Best Picture Oscar. Uh, for uh, the 2023 Oscars or 2024 Oscars. Uh, Mike, uh, we just got done with the whole uh, press conference, which our listeners are going to hear. Uh, what was your thoughts on it and what's missing in that press conference? Us. <laughs> Us. Uh, life. life. <laughs> um, blood flow. <laughs> I don't like the movie, Panku Utopia. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's cool to, to, you know, see, uh, actor Lee, I can't pronounce his name. Lee, help me out. Lee Young hun You're always good with names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always uh, good with names. <laughs> Storm well, Shadow, a guy. It's Storm Shadow's in it. <laughs> it's cool to see, you know, him in there and like, uh, you know, and, and hear the director and, and him talk about the film and stuff. But, you know, I think, um, just a lot of the people that were asking questions, you know, I felt like I was in a classroom, um, you know, an online classroom or uh, a work meeting for, uh, you know, what project we're going to kill this week. <laughs> I would say that you're pretty close to that. I think, um, you know, I don't know if it was because, you know, you know, we do things very differently here on the show, as everybody knows. And when you listen to the, the press conference, you'll notice it's definitely not our typical vibe. But me and Mike are always about trying experiences, right? Like and seeing how what works and doesn't work. And, you know, this is our first time doing a press conference where we could ask questions and be called on. Whereas the last time with Martin Scorsese, you know, they pre-approved everything. And in some respects, that actually kind of works a little better. I don't know uh, if, if you agree with that, Mike, but um, there is definitely sometimes that, that model could work versus, or it also just depends on who, you, who your audience is too, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I feel like this, this could work. It just sucks when you're the one that doesn't get called on the people that get called on, you know, Hey, I, I don't mean to sound, uh, too, uh, harsh here, but you know, some of those questions I feel like, is that really the question you, you really thought? And that's the question you wanted to ask. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, that was your moment. Yep, that was your moment. Yep, yep. And I think uh, the, the listeners will will know which questions are those. Yeah, uh, right. We, we won't name any names because yep. I don't remember any of their names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what I what I what is cool though, it was it, a lot of that room was filled with podcasters. So it's it is cool to see that us podcasters are coming together to do something. So you got to find some positivity in it, right? Yeah, no, I I, I do, uh, <laughs> and good for all the podcasters like us that were in there. Podcasters unite. Um, yes. Yes. But but be sure to listen to our show first. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where the laughs are plenty here. You know, it, yeah, and just like there are bad television shows, there are bad podcast shows. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Concrete Utopia before we get into that. Um, I actually, so that movie, uh, so just so everybody knows, it is a post-apocalyptic movie uh, set in... Um, uh, South Korea, and the concept of the movie essentially is a weird, like, basically wild attack of earthquakes happen, and it causes the apartment world, if you will, of South Korea to kind of fall apart, except for one apartment complex. And then you basically kind of go through the journey through the people living in this one apartment complex. Uh, this movie deals a lot with society issues, class issues, um, humanity issues. Uh, there, there are so many different things in it. And, you know, I don't know if I would consider it a horror film. I know that they had mentioned that in the press conference, but I, I think it's more of an action adventure thriller. Well, I guess you would call a post-apocalyptic movie its own thing, right? Like it is its own genre of film, but it, it does deal more with the human issues, I would say. But it also deals with human issues with a sense of humor as well, uh, which uh, I think you would agree with Mike, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's like the 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 fact that it's a the apocalypse has come. There's this huge earthquake, and you don't really know what happened to the rest of the world because no one else, frankly, no one else comes. Like, there's no help, so you just assume like the whole world is is going through this. Um, you know, but yeah, that's just kind of a backdrop for for yeah. the human interactions and like how humans treat each other without the you know, overhang of a government or laws or any of that stuff, you know, it's just the, the actual human nature comes out, which, you know, ends up being more primal than, than anything else, really. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a good depiction of it because I imagine that in some respects it would be like that for some folks, right? So one of the quotes I really like in the beginning of the film, I'm just going to uh, throw out there, Mike, is uh, in the beginning when they're figuring everything out, you know, after the earthquake, uh, one of the characters says, can't people just be humane, peace-loving citizens? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, that one six took out to me hardcore. Now, go ahead, Mike. The, it's funny that the people that are in there think that that's what they're doing. Yeah, right. It, it, you know, it, it is interesting why it's like, and also it's that perspective. It's always perspective, right? So like, yes, you know, you think that, you know, we're doing the right thing, but are we really doing the right thing, right? Like, I mean, are, are we, are, you know, what, just because this is our home, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many factors in that, right? Yeah, you know, and it's like some people in the in the complex want to help the outside people. Other people are like, no, they wouldn't help us, so why should we help them? Then there's other people that are just like, this is our place, and we are the chosen ones, and <laughs> everything else is a cockroach. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy, but I can also understand that mentality when everything breaks except your place, right? Yeah. In the words of Uncle Dad, let me ask you this. What yes. if your complex was the only one standing in such a 
you know, the Bay Area is known for earthquakes. Boom, big earthquake finally happens. And your apartment complex is the one that's standing. Are you going to let people in? Mm. I mean, I would let somebody in if they needed it, but they would need to be a contributing member of society. They couldn't oh. be just in and doing drugs, you know, whatever. <laughs> drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They couldn't be like living the hard, hard knock life. Like they got to be, you know, trying to do their part, I guess, you know. I think if you have a dog, though, I would definitely say yes. You know what I mean? Because, mm. you know, I'm a sucker for dog life. Dogs. Um, that's the way. You know, and I think uh, adding to uh, to all that, there was another quote that I love. And I actually love this quote so much. I kind of want it to be on my um, – on my uh, epitome. <laughs> oh. uh, it's, you can die rationally. I'm going to live dramatically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that too. I I, I remember that quote specifically. Um, it's a great one, right? I mean, it makes you think. I mean, sure. Uh, yeah, let's all be rational here. Live rationally. Yeah. Um, in such a, in such a circumstance, you know, the film is similar to like, you know, when you watch Walking Dead, you know, it's like, it's the end of the world. The zombies are just like the, the placeholder to watch how people interact, you know, again, in that kind of way, like you kind of have to live dramatically. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, that's very well said. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well I mean, said. I live dramatically right now, but. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I'm trying to learn to live dramatically. I'm getting back into it. Yeah. How's it feel? <laughs> You Is know, that how you got sick? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not you're not entirely wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> um, uh, so let's talk uh, really quickly uh, about uh, the Conquer Utopia. I got to read some things real fast. Uh, so this movie is based on, and, I'm, and I apologize if I don't say the names correctly. I'm doing doing my best I can. Uh, is based on Kim Sung Young uh, web web webtoon called Cheerful Outcast Part Two. Uh, sorry, Cheerful Outcast, and then Part Two, Cheerful Neighbor. Uh, the screenplay was written by Lee Shinji, and then it was also written by the director as well, Um Tai Hua, uh, starring uh, Lee Byung Hun and he, Storm that, Shadow. That, <laughs> Storm Shadow, yes, <laughs> and Storm Shadow is actually going to be on our uh, episode today. Uh, which, by the way, Mike, you know, I your question, if since we, they weren't able to ask it, mm. can you tell the audience what your question was going to be? I mean, it's the, clearly would have been the best question in the whole uh, room, but so it goes. Um, yeah, so he's done a bunch of uh, American films too, action films, and he was in uh, he was in GI Joe, and he was also in Red too, which are, as everyone knows, Bruce Willis movies. And so he worked with Bruce Willis in a couple movies, and you know, I love to find a way to bring up b-dub on any show that i can and so my my angle was you know his character he has to be like a badass kind of tough guy but he's also like very stoic and and has trouble and uh you know his family left him because he's a piece you know you find that out in the movie that they want him to just go die um so my thought was you know he's worked with in with bruce willis bruce willis who several types of uh of his characters are that same kind of guy, very similar. So was, does he take any of his character development off, you know, from, from a guy like Bruce Willis, or can you learn from a guy like Bruce Willis when you're working with him? You know, such an iconic American actor. Yes. But also probably known in, in most parts of the world as a, as a movie star. Yeah. Uh, you know, that probably, he probably would have had a good answer for that too. Cause I bet you working with, cause I mean, he's gotten to work with some pretty big American film icons. Right. And, mm. Working with Bruce Willis has to be something you don't forget, I imagine, right? Like, yeah, you know, like again, he's just there are scenes where he's just sitting there 
and in the film and in Concrete Utopia, and he's saying everything with his eyes. And yeah. obviously, we all know that's that's a big thing that Bruce Willis does is he gives those looks. Also, I noticed uh, one thing. I know you mentioned uh, to me before we did the show that he worked with Denzel Washington, yes. and there's the scene where where he's yelling at all of the people that are in the uh, in the complex in the in the in the apartment. And it kind of reminded me of um, Denzel from uh, when he says, I'm King Kong. And um, God, what movie was that? With Ethan Hawke. Training, training Day. day. It, yes. it had a very Training Day type of exertion mm. from him. So, you ah. know, not to take anything away from his own craft, but it, it very well could be that he, you know, actors take bits and learn from other actors. It could be. Is that that could, be, that could be how that works? Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I I thought it was just that would have been a fun question because I hope that he would have a great story behind that, and I feel like he would. You know, he 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 answered every question with great thought, and um, you know, you could tell he took his time with it and stuff. So, just so everybody knows, when you listen to this episode, there will be a translator uh, in the episode as well. So, the question will be asked, and then there will be a translator translating from Korean to English and vice versa. So. Uh, if you don't want to hear those parts, feel free to skip them through when you're listening. Um, so Mike, you know, all in all, I, I, you know, we can't give away too many spoilers because the movie isn't out yet, but the movie comes out in LA and New York December 8th, and then it will be out everywhere na- nationwide December 15th. Uh, would you, would you recommend our audience go watch it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. You never know what, what the movie is going to be like, you know, when we get them and, and I really, really enjoyed it. Great film, great commentary on society. There's some great special effects and and, this, and how they do and how the earthquake looks. It's, it's wild. So it's it's a. Uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up. The way that earthquake looks in the beginning, I was like, this is fucking crazy, right? I didn't. I had you know no idea what the film was about other than you know what it was called, and uh, I just assumed it was going to be like about people living in in all you know the apartment complex world. Uh, and then that, how, and then the earth, the earth just starts exploding and it just sets everything up from there. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a wild look. Yeah. You know, what's a uh, crazy is that's probably how we're going to go out in California one day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we're yeah. going to come to your apartment. <laughs> you're, you're only allowed if you bring a dog. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll find a dog. <laughs> uh, and you know, also Mike, before we wrap up here and hand it over to, uh, press conference i took my notes with a very special notebook yeah that's field notes notebook yeah i like yeah. field notes oh yeah field notes yes that's right uh, let's talk about that real fast field notes make some of the greatest pocket notebooks available to humankind and imagine if you were in concrete utopia and they had these notebooks Mm-hmm. You'd have to be you'd be able to write down everyone's name and what apartment number they're in and keep it in a protected compact log. Exactly. And did you know Field Notes has <laughs> Field Notes has uh actual pocket notebooks that are completely indestructible? They can literally go underwater. They can be torn in half. I'm not kidding. indestructible. Underwater. So you could do underwater note taking. <laughs> yes, yes. So when when you, when when the earthquake happens and the and the water level rises, you can yeah. at least you can take your notes and you're like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like oh, I got that. That cool. 
Mm. Uh, yes, Field Notes is our sponsor, and we love them very much. So please go to fieldnotesbrand.com and use promo code UncleDad10 for 10% off. Um, so please get out there and support them. Because remember, when you support our uh Support our sponsors. You support the show. And at the end of the day, who who is who's going to support us if not each other? Isn't that right, Mike? That's right. Just like in a concrete utopia, we must support yeah. each other. Exactly. Now, yeah. before we wrap up, Mike, and hand it over, is there any last words you got? You know, the only thing I can think of is when you're listening to this, just know that you appreciate us and our show. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Hey, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm enjoy the show. We'll see you all next week. And remember, we're not uncles, we're not dads, we're just someone you can talk to. Take care, everybody. Please join me in welcoming today's guests. We have the film's director, Om Tai Wah, and star, Ebyong Han. Um, and, oh, and also, we have interpreter, Kyla, who is not on camera, but will be uh, uh, translating for us. <laughs> so um, I want to start with director Om. Uh, congratulations on a scary, funny, stunning film. Um, I know this is based on a webtoon. Uh, what drew you to that story and specifically to, I believe it's the second section of a webtoon? Uh, Uh-huh. 저는 항상 관심이 있었는데 그러니까 그런 게 뭔가 어 집이라는 가치보다는 자산에 가까워지는 게좀 쓸쓸한 감정 같은 게 있었어요. 평소에. 근데 그런 과정에 유쾌한 엉따라는 웹툰을 보게 됐고 어그 웹툰의 배경 설정이 모든 것이 다 무너진 가운데 어떤 아파트 한 채가 서울의 아파트 한 채가 남아 있다라는 설정이 어, 이 한국 사회를 이야기하기, 한국 사회의 주거 형태의 어떤 부분을 이야기하기에 되게 적합한 설정이라는 생각이 들었고, 그 웹툰을 이제 원작으로 각색을 하게 됐습니다. So before I actually watched this webtoon, I was always interested in uh, Korean apartments as uh, the dwelling type. And I was wondering why they were built in the same form and they keep getting demolished and they rebuilt uh, this apartments. So I was also interested in why the values of this apartment is more than just a dwelling place, uh, but it's becoming more of an asset for people. Um, and it was kind of sad um, thinking that rather than being somebody's home, it is more uh, valuable as, as an asset. And while I was thinking of that, I came across this webtoon called Cheerful Outcast. And the back backstory of that webtoon is that everything has collapsed and that there's only one apartment building remained in Seoul. And it, I thought it was a great uh, background story to talk about this uh, the dwelling type in Korean society. So I started to adapt uh, this webtoon into uh, into a film. 
Uh, is it possible to talk a little bit about what it means to live in an apartment in South Korea? Because I know in addition to the class structure, there's even a class structure within the building itself, like who the owners are and who's just renting. 아, 이 아파트에서 사는 의미에 대해서 조금 더 말씀해 주시면 좋을 것 같은데요. 이런 빌딩 아마, 아파트 안에 주민 사이에서도 자가이냐 아니냐에 따라서 사회 계급이 나오, 나눠진다고 들었는데 거기에 대해서 조금 더 말씀해 주세요. 이게 같이 들리면 잘안 들려요. 한번 저도 울리긴 하네요. 어. 아파트에서 사는 의미에 대해서 조금 더 말씀해 주셨으면 하는데 이런 아파트 내에서도 그 아파트를 소유하느냐 아니냐에 따라서 사회적인 계급이 나눠진다고 들었는데 그거에 대해서 조금 더 부연 설명을 해주세요. 한국 사회가 이렇게 전쟁 이후에 급격하게 빠르게 발전할 수 있었던 데에는 어떤 공동체 의식 같은 게 있었던 있었거든요. 그러니까 집단 이게 하나의 어떤 공동체를 이뤄서 빨리 어잘 사는 나라로 만들어 보자라는 어 그런 팀으로 이제 빠른 발전을 만들었는데 그거 그것은 이제 장점이기도 하지만 한편으로는 이어 뭔가 이렇게 어 개인의 개성이나 이런 부분들이 좀 튀어나온 것들을 좀 제한하는 경우도 좀 있었던 것 같아요. 근데 그런 것들이 주거의 형태로도 어 뭔가 또다 비슷한 형태의 주거가 만들어지는 데도 한몫하게 된것 같아요. 그런 의식이. 어, 그러다 보니까 이게 어떤 아파트들이 다 비슷하지만 그 안에서 또 어느 지역의 어떤 아파트냐, 어떤 브랜드의 아파트냐 이런 것들이 정말 투명하게 더 나눠지게 된것 같아요. 또 되게 좁은 공간에 여러 가지의 아파트들이 다 모여있다 보니까 그래서 어, 이렇게 비교하게 되는 어떤 그런 비교하는 어떤 문화가 생기게 된것 같고 그러다 보니까 그 안에서 보이지 않는 계급들이 나눠지고 어, 이런 것들이 좀 드러나게 된것 같습니다. So after the Korean War, uh, Korea has rapidly developed, and one of the reason is because its sense of community and the group because it has this very strong sense of community uh, and that sort of country. Contributes to the rapid development of the country, so that is a good side. But on the other hand, um, because of their collectivism, uh, if you sort of stand out from the group, then they try to uh, restrain or reject your individuality. And I think that transfers to the type of the residence in itself. Um, and if you see all the apartments, they all look very similar. But even within the apartment, depending on where you are looking or what name brand you live in, um, I think that's all divided. And because you're in a small space, uh, it's this comparison culture has developed from uh, from the space, and which causes you know like a class problem or social uh, social class uh, social class problem as well. Oh, and Kyla, I think maybe if you mute your computer, because I think you're on two computers since you're in the room with uh, Director Ohm, because um, we're getting like a double pickup of sound. Okay, because we were having the same problem. Okay. Right <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably hearing us in double too. Uh, are you hearing me? Yes. Double because, so which should I mute? Maybe mute your own and because we're, we're hearing you pretty good on Director Ohm's. And so if it's I mute my, not on my channel. channel. 
But if I mute my microphone, I don't know if you guys can hear me from here. Should I, should I try that? Let's try it and we'll let you know. Okay. So I'm going to mute myself. Because I'm going to, I actually have a question for actor Lee now and we'll, we'll see if we can hear you. Um, actor Lee, uh, I'm curious, your, your character, he's very complicated. He's does some bad things, but he's not necessarily an evil person. Um, what drew you to this role and what was it like to play someone who, you know, has dimensions, isn't a cut and dry villain? Okay, Kyla, I was wrong. We can't hear you. So I guess you do need to unmute your computer. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Okay. Uh, 아주 복잡한 캐릭터를 uh, 연기를 하셨는데 이제 절대 악이라고도 할수 없는 이런 캐릭터인데 이런 캐릭터 구축하는 데 uh, 어떤 uh, 구축하는 데 있어서 좀 얘기를 해주시겠어요? 어, 일단 음, 처음 그 캐릭터를 만들어가는데 감독님하고 굉장히 많은 대화를 통해서 어, 그 캐릭터를 만들어갔던 것 같아요. 그 물론 스크립트에 있는 그 캐릭터도 있지만 어, 아마 감독님하고 대화를 통해서 만들어진 디테일한 부분들이 더 크다고 생각을 하는데 일단 처음에 정말 아무것도 모든 것을 다 잃은 어, 진짜 이제는 가족들도 집도 어, 그 어느 하나 남아있지 않은 음, 그 정말 자기가 죽든 살든 아무런 자기 자신도 관심이 없는 그런 정도의 에, 어, 우울한 그런 상황이었는데 이 캐릭터가 갑작스럽게 어떤 권력을 얻으면서 어, 조금씩 조금씩 변해가는 그 극단적인 상황 속에 조금씩 변해가는 그런 어떤 모습들을 음, 보여지는 것이 이 캐릭터의 가장 어, 중요한 부분이기도 하고 또 배우로서는 가장 신경 써야 할 부분이라고 생각하면서 어, 캐릭터를 만들고 또 연기했던 것 같아요. So first of all, I had a lot of uh, questions with the director about this character, and of course, there's a description. In the script about this character, but I think most of the details were created while I was having a conversation with the director. Uh, so Young Tak's character, he has just lost everything, his family, his home, and he was not interested in probably living. Like he had no interest in anything to to go on. And in this very uh, depressing circumstances, all of a sudden, you know, something happened, and he started to gain the power, and he's slowly transforming. Uh, in this very extreme situations, and I think that was a very important part of this character. And as an actor, that's the part that I focused uh, more uh, the focus on, and that's how I build my character. Great. Um, I'm going to open it up to questions, and, uh, and when I call on you, uh, please forgive me if I mispronounce anyone's name. I, I feel your pain, um, but I see we have one from Bruce Miller. Yeah, this is for both of the uh, the participants today. What did Parasite success have on the Korean film industry? Is it was it just a real game changer, or where does that where does that sit in the whole uh, scheme of things? Question about. Oh, sorry. No, no, you got it. Oh, yeah. 두분 모두에게 질문 드리고 싶은데요. 이 기생충의 성공이 한국 영화에 미친 영향에 대해서 조금 말씀해 주시겠어요? 어떻게 보면은 되게 스카 아, 깐느라는 영화제에서 그런 성과를 가져오게 됐는데 그게 어 되게 사실은 
작업한 한국에서 작업하는 사람으로서 되게 멀게만 느껴졌던 어떤 부분들이었던 것 같거든요. 다른 세계의 이야기 같기도 하고. 근데 그게 같은 바운더리에서 작업하시는 선배 감독님이 그런 성과를 가져오시는 걸 옆에서 이렇게 직접 보니까 그게 좀 조금 더 가깝게 느껴지고 좀 체감이 되면서 어, 우리도 할수 있겠다라는 어떤 자신감 같은 게 생기게 된것 같아요. Um, I think I think the achievement that uh, that that the director did in the Cannes Festival for for people like us that working in Korea, it always felt like a very um, like a different world story that it was something unattainable. And seeing the director that we we worked in the same boundaries and see how uh, they they you know they create this achievement, we felt very closer to this. I guess um, it looked it filled more. A, attainable and gave us a lot, a lot of confidence that we we could actually be part of that as well. Uh, did actor Lee want to uh, contribute to that question? Yeah. Uh, 그, 어, K 컨텐츠에 특히나 K 무비에 많은 사람들이 관심을 갖고 이제 보기 시작하고 봉준호 감독님이 말한 것처럼 그 자막이라는 1인치의 장벽을 어, 이제는 뛰어넘고 많은 사람들이 자막이 있음에도 불구하고 어, 이제는 다른 나라의 영화를 어, 보기 시작하고 또 TV 시리즈를 보기 시작하고 그런 것은 정말 엄청난 어, 변화라고 생각을 해요. 그리고 어 우리가 정말 상징적으로 이야기하는 아카데미에서 어 그런 업적을 이루는 것은 어 앞으로의 영화 한국의 영화인들에게 굉장히 커다란 힘이 되고 또더 나아갈 수 있는 그런 어떤 자신감 같은 것들을 어준 것은 사실인 것 같아요. Uh, so he was definitely a pioneer um, in terms of what he has achieved uh, from the Korean in- Korean film industry. Uh, and after that, a lot of people started watching, uh, be interested in K, uh, K content or K films. And as the director Bong said, uh, people overcoming this one inch tall barrier and uh, even with the subtitles that people are interested in watching, you know, the foreign films or international films. And it, that is such a huge uh, transformation. And what he has done in, in uh, Academy, it's very symbolic. And it has encouraged a lot of filmmakers in Korea and uh, gave us a lot of confidence, confidence as well. Uh, and we have a question from Jenny Kermode, I believe. Kermode, that's all right. Um, sure. There's a lot of focus on class in Concrete Utopia, as indeed there was in Parasite. Does the fact that Young Tak has crossed between classes by hiding his roots give him a power and an insight that the other characters don't have? Sorry. Um, can I ask you to, to repeat the question? So it's just that there, there's a lot of focus on class, and Young Tak has really crossed between classes during the the story of the film, um, because he conceals where he came from. So does that give him insights that the other characters don't have, and therefore a kind of more power, more ability to understand them, and therefore to rise to the position that he does? Yes. So Young Tak uh, has information that other people don't have. Um, does he then have more power, essentially? Uh, young- 이 기생충처럼 계급에 대해서도 되게 많이 다룬 영화인데요. 
이 영탁은 다른 캐릭터보다 조금 더 정보를 많이 가지고 있고 이런 권력으로 인해서 이런 계급을 왔다 갔다 하는 인물인데 그렇기 때문에 조금 더좀 예, 권력 파워가 있는 사람 파워가 있는 캐릭터라고 생각하시나요? Is this for the director or the? I believe it's for the actor, but actually, I think if if both want to comment on it, I think it should be fine. 영탁이라는 캐릭터를 연기하면서 이제 배우로서 가졌던 재미이기도 하고 또 가장 감독님과 많은 대화를 하면서 만들어 나간 부분이기도 했던 것 같아요. 그런 부분이 정말 아무것도 없는 우울한 상태의 인물이 어떤 권력이 본의 아니게 주어지고 그 상황 속에서 세상이 모든 게 리셋됐다라는 이야기를 듣고 이제 그럼 다시 한번 나도 한번 시작해 볼까라는 그런 자신감을 갖고 마을 주민들 그러니까 주민 같은 동의 주민들을 위해서 이제 자기가 뭘할수 있을까를 생각을 하다가 그 권력이 점점 점점 음, 자기도 감당할 수 없을 정도로 커지게 되고 거기에서 그런 어떤 권력욕도 보여지기도 하고 또그 권력을 좋게만 썼다고는 볼수 없는 그런 상황들도 분명히 있고 그런 것들이 누구의 잘못이다 혹은 뭐 영탁의 잘못이다 잘못이 아니다라고 딱히 얘기할 수 없는 그런 부분들 그런 미묘한 선에 있다는 게 되게 재미있었던 것 같아요 그렇게 또 관객들은 관객들에게도 어떤 음, 질문을 던져주는 그런 인물이었던 것 같아요. 근데 그것을 두고, 어, 진짜 이 사람에게 극단적인 악이, 이, 아, 악인이든, 뭐, 극단적인 선인이든, 이런 것이 아니고, 누구나 저런 상황 속에서 저렇게 에, 선택할 수 있지 않을까라는 그런 지점이, 에, 그런 지점을 계속 가지고 가자는 게 감독님과 저의 어떤 어, 이 캐릭터를 만들어가는 공통적인 생각이긴 했던 것 같아요. So when I was playing this character Young Tak, it was interesting as an as an actor to play this role, and this is a character that was built uh, through a lot of conversation I had with the directors. Um, this character in the beginning, he had nothing. He had nothing, and he was very depressed. But just just comes with the situation that he started to gain power. And he heard um, when he heard that the world has been reset. Um, I think that gave him sort of a confidence confidence to restart his life. And at that point, he was thinking about what could he do to what could he do for for the residents of uh, of the apartment. And uh, but at some point, this power has just started to become really overwhelming for this character, and he started to be a little bit obsessed with the power itself. And of course, there's a situation that he uses power not just for 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 good, um, but you can't really tell. Uh, you can't really say that it's all all his fault. And I think that's that subtlety was very interesting for me. And I want the uh, I want the audiences to ask about this character whether uh, he was not an absolute you know evil person or absolutely good character, but it's you know someone anyone in that kind of situation. Might be able to make that choices, and that was sort of a point that we wanted to leave throughout the film, and that's the part that I had a lot of conversation with the director in terms of building up this character. And did director Om want to weigh in, or should I move on? 감독님 말씀. 어 일단 이 영화가 영화가 끝났을 때 이게 선악을 규정짓고 어떤 답을 내려주는 
관객들에게 답을 내려주는 영화가 되기보다는 하나의 질문을 던지는 영화가 되기를 원했어요. 근데 그렇게 하기 위해서는 여기 나오는 모든 인물들이 어떤 절대적인 악이나 절대적인 선이 아니라 평범한 사람으로서 누가 봐도 이해할 만한, 공감될 만한 인물들로 만드는 게 중요하다고 생각을 했고요. 영탁이라는 인물도 마찬가지로 어이 사람이 가지고 있는 어떤 선택들이 이 사람을 어떤 그러니까 선택 좀안 어, 좋은 선택들을 하는 모습들을 보게 되면서 이 사람을 지지할 수는 없겠지만 그래도 저 사람이 왜 저러는지 이해는 가는 그런 인물로 만드는 게 중요하다는 생각을 했었고요. So when the movie was uh, at the end of the movie, I didn't want to give uh, I didn't want to give an answer to, to the audience saying, you know, this is good or this is evil. Uh, instead of giving them a, an answer, I wanted the audience to ask themselves. I wanted the film to be sort of a, a question asking the audiences. And all these characters in the film, there's no, you know, absolutely evil or absolutely good characters. I wanted them to be a very ordinary people. Uh, that everybody can really identify with these characters. And uh, with the Young Tuck character, uh, he, you see him making this, um, you know, not so good, uh, not so great choices that he's making that you can't support what he's doing. But I wanted to make it so that people can at least understand where he's coming from. Um, and that's where I, I focused on while uh, making this Young Tuck character. Absolutely. Young Tuck character is like 설정을 했고요. 두 세계를 다 알고 있는 것이 어떤 식으로 권력을 부여하냐라는 게 정확히 두 세계가 어떤 두 세계를 말씀하신 건지 좀. For the question when you were asking um, that he understand both both worlds, I guess the both uh, both class, I didn't really understand what you mean by that. This is for the person who asked yeah. the question. Yes, absolutely. So you, just that. Um, he seems to he understands um a different way of looking at the the middle class people that the apartment dwellers that perhaps they don't understand themselves as well because they're used to that world i think maybe he understands them in a different way and that helps him to have power 아이 중산층의 사람들은 자기 자신을 이제 바라보지는 못하니까 어떤 식으로 보이는지 모르는데 영탁은 그것도 이해를 하니까 더좀 이해를 잘할수 둘다두 계급을 다 이해할 수 있을 거라고 생각해요. 아파트의 외부인과 내부인의 두 세계를 말씀하시는 것 같은데 그 계급을 나누자면은 어 사실은 그쵸 이 인물은 외부인이면서 내부인이기도 하고 내부인이면서 외부인이기도 한 분이니까 어 하지만 그게 그 사람한테 권력을 부여하는 데 어떤 도움이 됐다기보다는. 이 인물을 입체적으로 만드는 어떤 설정이었던 것 같고요. 권력을 부여한 것은 사실은 이 인물이 그것을 다 알고 있었기 때문이라기보다는 이이 이 아파트의 주민들이 공포에 질린 주민들이 자신들의 선택을 누군가에게 떠넘기기 위해서 어떤 지도자를 뽑았다고 생각해요. 그래서 그럼으로써 뭔가 자신들의 공포 공포와 죄책감을 좀 덜어내는 어떤 하나의 대상을 만든 거죠. 우상을 만든 거죠. Um, I think you're probably maybe referring to the the, the residents and the outsiders. Um, uh, that's true. The Young Tak character was also an outsider, but he is also a resident as well. 
And I think instead of giving him, um, help, helping him or giving him more power because he knew of this both worlds, but it was a sort of a setup to make this character into more three dimensional. And uh, not because he knew, um, I guess, I guess the apartment residents because they were so frightened that they had to, um, you know, elect a leader that who who would make decisions for themselves so they can sort of relieve from uh, this, you know, the being frightened or their own response responsibility. Okay, and we have a question from Michelle Moon. Hi, so my question is actually for Yi Byung-han. Um, in your previous works, you know, you've demonstrated your versatility by playing complex roles that showcase your diversity as an actor. I, in Concrete Utopia, you know, your character combines protective instincts in a subtle, subtle way for his family and the residential complex, you know, but there's also a darker side within um, that leads to like, extreme actions against outsiders. So my question is, how do you view the complexity of this role compared to uh, some of the other diverse characters you played in your previous work, uh, taking into the account of the intricacies and depth that were portrayed in uh, Concrete Utopia? ここ、ジュパイアキャラクターを発するって、で、다른데서도 어 그런 어떤 장르적인 것 때문에 내 캐릭터가 바뀐 건 아니지만 어쨌든 그런 영화 안에서 내가 어떤 어 새로운 인물로 연기를 한다는 것 자체가 굉장히 좀 새로운 기분이기는 했어요. 그리고 음이 영화에서 가장 중요한 것은 이 극단적인 상황 속에 인간들이 과연 어떻게 변화를 하고 어, 그리고 그 극단적인 상황 속에서의 변화도 있지만 또한 권력이 점점 커지면서 이 사람이 어떻게 미묘하게 변하는가가 굉장히 재미있었고 또 재미가 있었던 동시에 어, 배우로서는 굉장히 중요하게 잘 포인트를 찝고 연기를 해야만 했었던 중요한 부분이었고 음, 이전에 다른 작품들 속에서의 캐릭터와 어떤 식으로 변화를 줘야 되겠다라는 생각은 없었어요. 그냥 이 안에서 어떻게 내가 어, 글을 쓴 사람 그리고 이 영화를 만드는 사람의 의도에 벗어나지 않고 아주 적확한 어, 여기서 감정을 보여줄 수 있을까만을 늘 어, 고민하면서 어, 촬영했던 것 같아요. 그리고 최근 기본적인 저의 다른 작품들에서의 캐릭터보다 많이 좀 어쩔 수 없이 이렇게 뱉어내고 뿜어내고 폭발하는 그런 연기를 했다는 점에서는 좀 차이점이 좀 있었던 것 같기도 해요. 나중에 저도 이렇게 영화를 보니까. So uh, in terms of the genre of this film, uh, I haven't seen a very black comedy genre in 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 the Korean industry for a long time. So I thought that was very uh, refreshing. And in terms of the genre, not that it actually changes or uh, really affects the character, but it was very just refreshing to play this new uh, character, uh, to perform this new character. And um, what was very interesting was that in this very extreme circumstances, how people uh, transform, and not only that they transform within this extreme situation, 
as they're get as the the character is gathering the power that subtle changes in within the character i found that very interesting um and as an actor i thought that was a very uh important point that i have to really focus on when i was performing and comparing to my previous characters uh i didn't really try to look different or make it very different than the previous character that i played uh but what i focused on was um how uh, how could i comply with the person that who wrote this story and then the people that were making this film and i wanted to really comply to their intention um so their intention and i guess comparing to some of the other characters that i played recently this character we lost you for a second you said compared to other characters i played recently oh uh the last line the compared to yeah. the other characters that i played uh yeah. there's a lot of like explosion within this character there's a lot of uh like ejecting emotions and explore uh exploding and i guess that's a little bit of a difference from the characters i played recently uh we have a question from uh carolyn hines or caroline i think it's carolyn <laughs> sorry it's <Yeah>, <laughs> okay um carolyn for second so i have an and carolyn Thomas podcast and k crush american magazine my question is for both director um and actor and evangelin So one of the themes in this film is about obsession and possession and about these characters being obsessed with possessing their space and possessing their place in this building. Can you talk about how the thing that we try to hold on to the most becomes the thing that destroys us as a theme throughout this film? We can start with director Um. Great question about the thing we try to hold on to the most can be the thing that can destroy us. Are we talking about in general or or, or in the film? I mean in the I think in the film. In the uh, film but also in general because they can talk about it artistically as director and an actor and how they see their roles and the theme within the film itself. 음, 아두분 모두에게 드리고 싶은 질문인데요. 이 주제가 되게 소유와 집착에 대한 어, 부분을 되게 많이 다루고 있는데 특히나 이 집에 대한 집착을 보여주는데요. 자신이 무언가에 집착을 함으로써 너무 집착해서 그것 때문에 무너지는 경우가 있잖아요. 그거에 대해서 이제 영화적으로 그리고 실제도 이런 부분에 대해서 어떻게 생각하는지 말씀해 주시겠어요? 한국에서 집이라는 것 그리고 집을 어떻게 보면 상징하는 게 아파트예요. 뭐 한국에 와보신 분들도 계실 수도 있지만 정말 아파트가 빼곡하게 많고 어다 비슷한 집에서 살고 있죠. 근데 어그 아파트라는 게한 사람들한테는 되게 어이 아파트 한 채를 가지고 있냐 가지고 있지 않냐라는 게 어떻게 보면 내 가족을 먹여 살릴 수 있느냐 없느냐의 어떤 척도처럼 좀 여겨지는 경향이 있고요. 그게 어 어떻게 보면은 정말 어떻게 보면 하나의 그냥 집이지만 어 생존을 할수 있느냐 없느냐의 문제까지도 좀가 있는 것 같아요. 이 내가 제대로 살고 있는지 아닌지 어떤 기준점 같은 게 그리고 그게 어떤 계급을 만들고 어, 이런 부분들이 이 집이라는 거에 더 집착하게 만드는 것 같고요 한국 사람들에게는 어, 그런 부분들을 이 영화에서 어, 어, 조금 더 극단적인 상황을 만들어서 이 집착하는 모습을 더 보여주고 싶었던 것 같고요 uh, So in Korea, um, I guess these apartments i guess the house is sort of represent represented by apartments and these apartments there i don't know if you've been to korea but there's so many apartments and apartments complexes in korea 
And so everybody sort of lives in very similar, uh, you know, residence uh, structure. And for Koreans, uh, owning an apartment versus not owning is almost become a standard, um, uh, like a measurement for how you can provide for your family or not. So it is a house, it is a dwelling place, but it sort of directly relates to uh, survival in a way. And it sort of gives you a standard if you're living a good life, if you're leading a good life or not. And that sort of branches out to the social class as well. And that's... Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah, I'm not muted. I can hear you. Yeah, we got that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so that's why people are really obsessed with uh, the apartment. And in this film that we had created more extreme situations to uh, sort of portray that uh, obsession in the film. So this is more than that. It's more than the house and the property. It's more important to be able to 대상으로 만들어진 게 돼서 그렇게 된것 같고요. 그래서 이 영화를 보고 났을 때 집이라는 게 과연 무엇인가에 대해서 다시 한번 생각해 볼수 있는 계기가 됐으면 좋겠다는 생각을 했어요. 이게 집이라는 것이 그냥 우리 가족이 쉴수 있는 곳 이런 곳이어야 되는데 그것보다는 어떤 자산의 가치로만 좀 여겨지게 되는 게 개인적으로는 조금 쓸쓸한. 싶었던, so I guess moreover, because these um, apartments, rather than its value as an apart as a dwelling place, it has it's been more valuable as you know real estate. It has a more real estate value than uh, being a dwelling place. And people think um, that this because it's an asset, it will actually you know take care of you in the future. So when you watch this film, I want you to I want the audience to think about what is is what is what is what is the meaning of home like is this a place where your family uh, it is a resting place for your family um, or is it you know something like your your personal assets and just kind of looking at that perspective personally made me kind of sad and I wanted to um, uh, include that in the film and did actor Lee want to uh, take that question as well 어, 감독님이 말씀하신 이제 그런 부분이 점점 점점 어, 어, 커져가는 건 사실이고 저는 그 아파트라는 공간 음, 그리고 내집 마련의 꿈이 모두에게 있다는 거 그리고 어, 가장으로서 내 가족을 위해서는 내가 꼭 이것만큼은 어, 만들어 놓는다라는 그런 의지가 사실은 음 굉장히 큰 것은 어 우리 영화를 보기 전에 어그 문화적인 차이가 있는 그 다른 외국인들이 보기에 굉장히 한국적인 거라고 저는 생각을 해요. 굉장히 그 문화적인 차이일 수 있는데 그런 아파트라는 공간, 그내집 마련, 내 꿈, 이런 것들이 유독 굉장히 강한 그런 어 분위기 라는 거 그런 부분들을 음, 어떤 문화적인 차이로 이해하고 보시면 훨씬 더 영화를 어, 음, 잘 이해하고 재밌게 보실 수 있을 거라는 생각이 들고 음, 어떤 면에서 저는 그 집착 집착을 해서 어, 어, 
차지하고 소유하는 것과 내가 어떤 것을 꼭 이루고자 하는 그런 의지로 성취하는 것은 종이 한장 차이일 수 있다고 생각을 해요. 아, 그것은 어, 어떻게 바라보느냐에 따라서 또 내가 그것을 이루는 데까지 얼마나 도덕적인 그런 과정이 있었는지 혹은 부도덕적인 과정이 있었는지에 따라서 그거는 음, 차이가 있을 수 있다고 생각을 해요. So as as the director said, uh, that is true. That aspect of it is very um, uh, becoming more uh, the prevalent. But the apartment as a space, the, the owning the apartment, owning your own house. I think this is something that everybody is sort of dreaming of. And if you're a head of household, this is sort of a thing that you feel like you have to provide for your family. And I guess the reason why it's almost obsessive and very, um, it's very obsessive in Korea. I, 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 if you look at it as a sort of a, the cultural difference in Korea, that, that, that people are very obsessed with having, owning the apartment and having my own house and, um, Yeah, if, if you understand that as a sort of a culture, cultural difference, I think uh, you'll be able to understand the film a little bit better with more understanding. And I think what you're trying to, you're obsessing over something to own something and uh, versus you're trying to achieve something. I think there's a very, you know, very just, you know, thin layer in between that. So I think in a way, um, how you try to achieve something, whether you are, Um, very moral or immoral. I think there might be a differences, but there's really not much a big difference between when you're trying to own something and be obsessed with it um, versus you know trying to achieve something on your own. I think we have time for one more question. I'm so sorry we couldn't get to more, um, but we have Desmond Lowe. Hi, can you see me? Yeah. Yes. Uh, may I ask, like, uh, <laughs> what was the most memorable moment for both of you during the production on set? Thanks. 영화를 만드셨을 때 가장 기억에 남는 부분에 대해서 알려주시, 알려주시겠어요? 기억 그 영화를 만들면서 가장 기억에 남는 부분. 어, 저한테 물어본 건가요? 두분 다. 기억에 남는 장면, 모든 장면이 일단 기억에 많이 남는데, 어, 저는 개인적으로는 이렇게 많은 배우분들이랑 한꺼번에 많은 배우분들이랑 작업해본 적이 이번이 처음이었어서, 개인적으로는 되게 도전적인 영화였어요. 그래서 처음으로 이 많은 배우분들이 한꺼번에 나오는 장면이 그 초반에 안상회에서 투표하는, 투표하기 전에 이제 회의하는 그 장면이 기억에 남는데 그 장면을 준비하면서 어떻게 해야 될까 고민을 되게 많이 했었고 어, 이분들의 앙상구를 최대치로 끌어올리기 위해서 어떤 일을 해야 될까 고민하다가 어, 첫 번째로는 이제 정말 좋은 배우들을 찾아야겠다는 생각을 해서 오디션을 정말 많이 봤어요. 3천 명 넘는 분들을 오디션을 봐서 좋은 배우분들을 최대한 모셔야겠다는 생각을 했고 두 번째로는 최대한 디테일한 설정들을 그러니까 현장에서 이걸 다 제가 컨트롤할 수 없을 테니까 시간도 없고 그래서 최대한 디테일한 설정을 드려야겠다. 그러니까 어느 집에 몇 호에 사는지, 어떤 가족 관계는 어떻게 되는지, 직업은 무엇인지, 막 등등등. 이 재난 상황에 누가 죽었는지를 최대한 디테일하게 드려서 그것들로 그분들의 캐릭터가 오히려 어떤 식으로 해석을 하는지를 제가 들었어요. 듣고 제가 동의하는 부분들은 그대로 가고 좀 아닌 것 같은 것들을 조금 수정하면서 이제 캐릭터를 만들어서 그 다음날 
이제 촬영날 그 40명여 명의 배우분들이 다 모여서 그 연기를 각자의 캐릭터로 살아있는 것처럼 하시는 걸볼때 되게 어 어떤 저 어떤 쾌감을 느꼈던 것 같아요. 이 많은 사람들이 정말 살아서 그 어떤 공기가 살아있는 공기로 만들어지는 것들을 볼때 되게 쾌감을 느꼈던 것 같아요. So I guess the most memorable scene for me is, of course, all the scenes. I I, I do love all the scenes, but there is a scene uh, I've never really worked with so many uh, so many actors at the same time on the same set. So it was it was very challenging for me in that way. And uh, if you remember that meeting, the resident resident meeting, we're doing the voting uh, in the beginning of the film, and where all these uh, actors were gathered together, and Uh, preparing for that scene, I had a lot of uh, thoughts and how to make it more, um, how to make it more smooth, and I, and how do I work with this ensemble of characters together? And the first thing I thought about was to find good actors. So I auditioned about 3,000 actors, um, and I was able to select very good actors uh, among the uh, through that audition. And second of all, giving them very detailed backstories, and I thought that was very important as well. And it, it's impossible to give them all this detailed, you know, backstories on on set. So, um, and then there's no time for that. So, uh, before the shooting, I I told them such as, you know, what units they they live in, their family members, um, their career before the disaster, uh, and also, you know, who who passed um, during the disaster, like among their families. Uh, so all this uh, background information, and I listened to how. Uh, these individual uh, actors will actually interpret their own characters, and if it's something that I agree with, then we were just going uh, with that uh, with that mindset. And if it's something that I had to, you know, add it a little bit, then we I help them build their character. And on the day of the filming, we all gathered, and it was just amazing. It was just amazing to see all these characters coming to life, and you can see how they're really breathing. Uh, of, you know their character, and that was just amazing to witness that. 어 그래서 이 저희는 이제 촬영을 최대한 영화의 흐름 순서대로 이제 찍으려고 했는데 그래서 이 반성의 장면을 되게 초반에 영화 촬영 초반에 찍었고 한 4개월 정도 지난 시점에 이제 마지막에 또다 같이 모여서 영탁을 몰아내냐 마냐 하면서 막그 주차장에서 아수라장이 되는 장면을 어 찍었는데. 그한 3, 4개월 정도를 이 배우분들이 다 각자의 캐릭터로 이 영화에서 계속 출연을 하면서 캐릭터로 살아오다가 어그 장면을 찍기 전에 제가 한번 다시 한번 이제 각 물어봤어요. 각 개인들에게. 그래서 어떤 당신은 영탁 캐릭터를 몰아낼 것이냐 아니면 여전히 지지할 것이냐라는 것을 물어봐서 그들에게 답을 듣고 아 그러면 그걸 현장에서 그대로 했으면 좋겠다라고 제안을 드렸고 그래서 그, 그 장면을 찍을 때도 그들이 다 그동안 살아온 어떤 성공 아파트에서 살아온 그 삶을 다 투영해서 거기서 연기하시는 것들을 보면서 또한번 이런 새로운 경험, 저한테도 새로운 경험이었고 되게 재미있는 작업이었던 것 같아요. So I, I try to film the movie as chronologically as possible. So those resident meeting scene was in the very beginning and after four months Uh, there's a scene where you know everybody's gathered together in the parking lot and trying to you know kick Young Tuck out of the the premise, and it just becomes a mayhem. And for these all these characters, they have lived as their own characters for the three four months in the past. 
And just before filming that mayhem scene, I asked him a question. Uh, what do you think as your character? Do you think you will still support Young Tak or do you think you want to be part of, you know, getting rid of him? And when I suggested that they had their own answers uh, based on how they lived as a Hong Kong apartments resident throughout those three, four months. Um, and uh, yeah, and then there was reflected in their act, uh, acting while we were filming that scene. And it was, again, a very refreshing uh, experience. And it was a, I had a lot of fun shooting that scene. 우리가 영화를 찍었던 계절이 7, 8, 9, 그러니까 가장 뜨거운 그리고 가장 습한 여름, 한여름에 이제 촬영을 했는데 어, 굳이 예, 비유를 하자면 약간 뉴올리언스의 날씨와 비슷한 그런 습하고 더운 날씨에 모두가 패딩과 털옷을 입고 한겨울 그것도 이상기온처럼 느껴지는 너무나 추운 겨울을 연기하는 그런 상황이 이제 매일 반복이 됐었는데 이것도 아마 초반 중반 촬영이었었던 것 같아요. 그한 200명 정도 되는 사람들이 서로 밀고 밀리면서 꽉 모여서 서로 힘싸움을 하는 그런 장면이 있는데 그걸 위에서 부감으로 촬영한 것을 나중에 모니터를 통해서 봤는데 사람들의 바다처럼 보였어요. 그 파, 마치 바다에 파도가 치는 것 같은 그런 어떤 사람들의 물결 같은 걸 봤는데 그때 굉장히 좀 놀라웠던 경이로운 그런 어떤 감정을 느꼈던 것 같아요. 이 사람들이 이런 한여름에 한겨울을 한겨울 상황을 연기를 하면서 또 그걸 정말 겨울처럼 보여주는 그런 어떤 느낌들이나 또그 사람들이 이렇게 모두가 힘겨루기를 하는 그 모습들이 카메라에 담겨지는 게 굉장히 참 놀랍다는 생각이 들었어요. 가장 기억에 많이 남는 장면. For me, one of the the most memorable scene is that this film that we actually filmed during from July to August, and it was the it was the hottest and very humid, you know, like in the middle of summer in Korea. To to compare it to like the city here it could be like a New Orleans uh, weather, very, you know, very humid and very hot. Uh, but all the actors had to wear this very padded jackets, winter clothing. And we had to portray that we were in the middle of summer. And it was not just a regular summer. It was a very severe, uh, you know, cold wave uh, that was coming to the summer, uh, to this winter. Um, and then we had to re repeat that every every day. So that scene uh, was probably filmed, you know, in the beginning or the middle of the film filming that there were about 200 people just pushing in, you know, pushing each other back. And th that mayhem scene that where they're just, you know, fighting against each other. And there was a camera camera was filming from the from the above that you can see sort of like a sea of people and they look like, you know, the waves of people. And it was just amazing to see that scene. And everybody just in this, you know, middle of summer acting as if we're in the middle of winter. And, uh, you know, that that vibe and how watching these people just, you know, fighting against each other in that scene was, that was just probably one of the most memorable scenes for me. Thank you. 
that's some good acting because I believed you were cold. Um, I want to again congratulate you on a fantastic movie. And thank you all so much for being here. And a reminder that uh, the film will open exclusively in theaters in New York and Los Angeles on December 8th before going nationwide on December 15th. This film is South Korea's selection for uh, the international uh, Oscar. Um, and again, thank you all so much for being here. Thank you.